Good morning. My name is Dave Selvig, and this morning our scripture reading is from the book of Isaiah. You can follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I'll be reading Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 from the New English Version. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has chosen me. He has commissioned me to encourage the poor, to help the brokenhearted, to decree the release of captives and the freeing of prisoners, to announce the year when the Lord will show His favor, the day when our God will seek vengeance to console all who mourn, to strengthen those who mourn in Zion by giving them a turban instead of ashes, oil symbolizing joy instead of mourning, a garment symbolizing praise instead of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, trees planted by the Lord to reveal His splendor. They will rebuild the perpetual ruins, and restore the places that were desolate. They will reestablish the ruined cities, the places that have been desolate since ancient times. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I um, got back last night from the men's retreat at, oh my gosh, to uh, about two in the morning, so I'm a little bit um, tired. And uh, on, the, on the drive home at about 1.30 in the morning, um, I got pulled over, uh, and I was going uh, 55 in a 35. You know how when you're going through the pass, it suddenly becomes a town, and then suddenly there's a traffic? And the officer was so nice, and he just said, drive home safe. <laughs> <laughs> just let me go. And uh, and turns out the insurance card wasn't updated in the car. And he said, you know, uh, you're lucky that it wasn't a state trooper because he would have just written you a $550 ticket for that. But, um, you know, God is good. I'm, I'm, I'll take that. <laughs> but there's nothing like that feeling when you see the blue lights in your mirror. Somebody loves me. Somebody loves me. Uh, the retreat was amazing, guys. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. And uh, I, I uh, was sort of juggling a few things. And so I wasn't sure about going to the retreat. But it was so good. It was so good to be with guys. And I realized it's not a men's retreat. It's just a church retreat for men. You know? And so... Uh, all the guys agreed. None of the issues we studied were specific to men. I mean, are there women who are supposed to be irresponsible? Uh, and men, are there women that are not supposed to step it up and do hard things in life and take responsibility? So it wasn't uh, specific to men at all. It was, but it was really good to be with other guys and to hear lives shared and so uh, next year, we are really going to make a push for the women's retreat and the men's retreat. And for, for you women, you still have uh, time to sign up for the women's retreat. I would love it 
if there were only men in this place, and we can have a men-only Sunday because all the women are at the retreat in April, if you could make that happen, do that, it will be great. And you will not come back saying, I wish I didn't go. That just won't happen. Okay? So uh, take a step and uh, do that. There were some new guys who came. I mean, they didn't know any. They just came. And they had a great time. It was so fun. All right, enough about that. Uh, last Sunday, uh, I wanted to tell you this story, and uh, I didn't get to it, so I start with the same story. We're going to sort of take part two in this passage. Uh, this picture behind you represents uh, the story that I want to tell and the sort of the essence of the uh, sermon today. Um, I uh, have maybe, I want to say four times in uh, my uh, life so far, I'm 41 years old, when um, I feel like I would honestly have to say that I had a sort of a spiritual, supernatural uh, kind of experience. And uh, growing up as a Presbyterian uh, person, I never sought these things out. And, And being a more thinking and analytical person, I didn't lean that way as much. I mean, during the worship today, I don't know what the team was doing, but I felt so moved during the worship time today, and I've, I just felt my Presbyterian suppressed hands just lifting up and somehow uh, expressing uh, God that way, uh, expressing my affection to God that way. Uh, but I had this experience uh, when I was first starting out in ministry. Uh, I can't believe it, you guys, but... Uh, in three months, I will start my 20th year of being in pastoral ministry. I cannot believe it's been 20 years. But very, uh, So about 20 years ago, I had this experience. Um, I was going through a time uh, when I was dealing with some of the childhood trauma and uh, issues uh, that were hurtful to me. And uh, I really wanted to deal with it intentionally and sort of face it. And so I was... Uh, receiving help from this person who specialized in uh, helping people pray through uh, childhood uh, issues. And uh, I kid you not, we were in about the third hour of prayer. And that sounds crazy because if you ask me to pray for three minutes on my own, it's an achievement, you know, if I do that. But it was the third hour of prayer, and uh, I, uh, I think it was suddenly just had this image in my mind. And uh, it's an image that I actually, after that prayer time, I drew in my journal. Uh, and so I have that to look at. And it's, a, um, uh, it's just an amazing experience for me. But I saw myself as a little boy. And I believe I've shared this story early on when I first came to this church. Uh, but I saw myself as a little boy. And uh, I had my arms stretched out like this. And in one arm, I was holding uh, the world. And uh, I couldn't tell you what the world actually looked like. I just knew I was holding the world. And uh, in this other arm, I was reaching up and I was holding the hand of Jesus. And I saw in this little boy this uh, painful, pained face, a look of anguish on his face. And, uh, and then I saw Jesus. And I don't remember, uh, I couldn't like tell you what his face looked like in terms of his appearance, like uh, he looked like this, but he had the same look of anguish on his face. 
And his arms were also stretched out like this. And in one hand, he was holding my hand. And the other hand was reaching up to uh, what I knew to be heaven. And I understood that uh, he was touching the throne of God. So that was the picture. And then, uh, this is as best as I can describe it. Uh, I didn't physically, visually see the words like letters. But I didn't audibly hear it either. It was like... The word came to me is all, like, I know the Bible uses that, those, that terminology to describe when God speaks. And so I don't know if I'm borrowing that, but it was like that. It was like I simultaneously heard and saw and felt the reality of these words um, in my person. And that's how I describe it. And here is, to the best of my ability, I did write it down uh, in quotes in my journal, so I think this is it, but uh, so here it is. It says, This is Jesus speaking. He said, In the same way, I had to become man and go through what you go through in order to reach you. I need you to go through what you went through in order to reach my people. And that word came to me in response to my uh, questioning of his goodness. Why would you let these bad things happen to, to me? Where were you? Why didn't you stop, intervene? Are you God? And I was asking these very honest questions. And uh, that, that's the word that um, I believe I received. Now, I have not always known how to live out this truth or purpose in my life Um, But I can tell you that it's pretty much always playing in the background, in 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 the backtrack, soundtrack of my life. And I hear it regularly. You go through what you go through in order to reach my people. You go through what you go through in order to reach my people in the same way that I went through what you go through to reach you. I just hear that. And it doesn't answer all of my heart's questions or all of my mind's questions, but it really helps me in a deep way. I want to ask you the question today, what's your purpose? Why do you exist? What's the point of your day today, moment to moment? And how are you connecting your days and your moments to your purpose. Ravi Zacharias, a great philosopher, theologian, and speaker, apologist, would tell us that the question of our purpose is one of the four great questions of life. Why am I here? What am I supposed supposed to do? Okay? Two things, Jesus' position and our disposition. First, Jesus' position. These are the verses that Carmen read for us, all four verses. And uh, what we see very simply uh, in these verses is that God commissions Jesus And then Jesus turns to the people, and he saves people. 
And then the people, in turn, save other people. So we have this sort of chain here. God to Jesus to some people and then all people. That's sort of the strategy of God's plan for saving the world. Now, what does it mean to save? We use that word in religious circles and in churches. Uh, We use it uh, in the secular world as well. If you listen for it, you hear it all the time. What does save mean? And the word save means, I think maybe uh, one of the best ways to understand it is the word intervention. And it means that if nothing outside of you were to intervene, you're definitely, absolutely headed off the cliff. You're going to head that way. So there's a trajectory and a momentum and a propensity and a nature or a habit or something is sending you in a certain direction. And when someone or something saves you, then they're changing course for you. They're intervening. If you remember physics, there's a force that's headed in a different direction that knocks into you, which was headed in another uh, direction, and then now your course changes because you are responding to the outside force that interacts with you. This is, I think, the uh, most clear way for me to think about what salvation is. We as uh, a people, we're headed in a certain direction. All of creation, in fact, Scripture tells us, is headed in a certain direction. And it's not a good one. And there's no way we can pull ourselves up because all of us together are falling in a certain direction. There is nothing to hold on to. It's just complete and utter, total, comprehensive freefall. We reach out to touch the edge, but the edge itself is also falling. Everything around us, you, me, and all of creation, headed in one direction. We need something completely outside of our system to save us, to intervene. And that's what God is doing. He is saving us. And the way he does it is by commissioning Jesus. Jesus is on a mission to save us, and that's the word sent. Sent by virtue of what that means. And I got to think about this for just a second. Sent means you are not doing, accomplishing your own agendas anymore. Why? Because somebody else sent you. You're a messenger. You're on a Mission. You've said yes, and you've already taken off your Mission Impossible glasses. They've self-destructed. You can't say no anymore. Right? You, Jesus is on a mission sent by God. It's not my will, Jesus said, but God's. It is my food to do the will of God. And then when he was done, he said it is finished because all throughout he understood that he's on a mission. His life was defined by the mission that he was on. He lived each day with purpose. And if it didn't look explicitly like his mission, somehow, in some way, it was related to his mission. 
And at the end, he said, it is finished. And his mission was to save us. Now, I want to point out to you, and uh, I, to me, I think it's a really interesting way to think about how Jesus went about accomplishing this mission. Okay, verse 4 uses the phrase perpetual ruins. I just love that phrase, perpetual ruins. Because I think, you know, I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm at a place in my life where I feel like there are some really good pieces that help me to uh, regularly be doing well. My happiness level is high, and there's a lot of support system in my life. I have good habits, and it just feels like a really good rhythm in me and for my family and ministry. And so there's a, a joy meter's pretty up. But I'm also reminded regularly that it doesn't take much for all that to come crashing down. It really does not take much. So I like that word, perpetual ruins. It's just, what do you mean? It's just all the time. It's just, it's right there. Just right there. You know? Do you ever feel like that? That even if you're doing well, it doesn't take much? That there's a a fragility to you in your existence? Yeah, right? Right? Uh, say this with me. I'm going to just be like an annoying preacher and ask you to say something with me. Okay? This is what I want you to repeat. Sometimes I feel like a perpetual ruin. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes we feel like that. Now, in contrast, verse 1 says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon Jesus. Now, the reason that the author uses that phrase sovereign Lord is in contrast to perpetual ruins. Now, when the writer talks about perpetual ruins, he's talking about a city that's been taken hostage. It's been taken over by outside forces. So imagine that this city was headed in a good direction, But there's an outside force that invaded this city. But instead of saving it, it destroyed it. But it perpetually keeps it in a state of destruction and ruin. It's not just that the city is doing poorly, but it's been invaded. That picture that you see behind me is my hometown, New York City, uh, 9-11. And so we have these two forces. We have Jesus, the sovereign Lord, who is the king. So he's from another kingdom, from a city that is not ruined, a city that is standing powerfully. In fact, this king is sovereign. And he is now going to intervene. The way, the the way of destruction and ruin in our city. And we have, not just by, you know, uh, thermodynamics where we're just tending towards chaos and decay, but there's an outside force that's making sure we stay ruined. That's making sure we have no hope. There's sort of physics acting on us. 
So that's the contrast. Okay, and this is the interesting way I would like you to think about it. That Jesus, the sovereign Lord, a city which is standing, the king of a city which stands, tall and mighty, he is going to leverage his position to help us who are perpetual ruins. He didn't have to. He's an outsider. He is happy by himself. His ecosystem is completely intact. There are no supply lines that are disrupted. His economy is great. His people are happy. But he is going to intervene and save us. He's on a mission to do that. And the way he's going to do it is by using his position. That is, he has authority and power and resources. But he's going to not use those resources and authority and power just for himself to perpetuate his happiness, his city's welfare. But he is going to leverage it to save us. Uh, Another angle on the same, same uh, idea of leveraging his position is God, the Father, from his mighty city, he's willing to look down on us. And this is the principle. And some of you have heard this before. Love flows down. Love flows down. Here's the question. Is it easier to love your kids or to love your parents? In which direction does love flow? Is there a gravity to love? Yeah, it flows down. Are you more calculating when you are buying things for your kids, spending money on your kids, or when you are spending money on your parents? So love flows down. The nature and design of love is to flow down and out to the down and out. Because that's what God does. His love, he is mighty and high. And the nature of love, because he is love, it flows down towards us. And we experience that on a human relational level. That we are able to love people when we are able to look down on people, to see as God sees. We see the ones we love as children, as needing help. That is to say, we are able to leverage our position to love people. We have more resources, more abilities. Sometimes I look at my kids and I think, gosh, you are so useless. If I didn't love you, your life is ruined. If I didn't care for you, you'd be dead. You'd die so many deaths. All day, you'd just be in danger. You're so vulnerable to ruin. You would be a perpetual ruin if my love did not flow down. But it does. It does. My love flows down. And I am on a mission 
to raise up the city of my kids. I want them to be strong and fortified. I want them to have walls that defend them and a foundation they can trust. I want them to have a hope and a future because love flows down from me to them. And this passage that Carmen read for us today, it's saying this, the nature of love is to flow down and out. We are called by God, listen, to look down on people. Because it's not our love, it's God's love. And God looks down on us all together through us. This is what we learned last week, that we who are saved, we who are the prisoners, are the ones now proclaiming freedom for the captives. Not only did God send Jesus, now Jesus sends us and the same spirit that was in Jesus, on Jesus, commissioning him, is now in us and on us. And so the very mission of Jesus is our mission. Amos chapter 5, verse 24, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream because, friends, love flows down. And you will do your best loving when you are able to look down. You will be able to love your parents well when you begin to see them as children, when you begin to have compassion on them, when you begin to understand that they need help. And then love starts flowing down and out through you. When you begin to see the world through God's eyes, love begins to happen. And then now we get to our disposition. Start off with a truth. And here's what I understand about myself because I'm in perpetual ruin. This is what I think about me. Without the intervention and overflowing love of God in me and in my life, I remain a perpetual ruin. I think about my youngest child. Boy, she's helpless. Unless she is directly connected to my intervention and my love, she remains a perpetual ruin. She has not even the capacity to stick the key in my front door and let herself in. She would just be out there, freezing to death. Tomorrow morning, she's, she's done. And yet, I would not let that happen. I love her. And so I understand how helpless I am. Without the intervention and overflowing love of God in, in me and in my life, I remain a perpetual ruin. Job chapter 34, verse 14 says this. One of my favorite verses. If he should determine to do so, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. Just think about that. 
If God were to choose, if he for some reason, this is what the verse is saying, if he were for whatever reason just decide to gather himself up and not share his breath with us anymore, instantly we would just crumble to the ground in a heap of dust. We'd be like the wicked witch of the east. That's what it says. A perpetual ruin. And so we have the very same spirit of God that was on Jesus, that sent Jesus on us. Wanting to do not just the work of saving us, intervening in our life, but intervening through our life. And so that is your mission. To love people by looking down on people. To allow the love of God to flow through you. Your disposition is to be open. To let God's spirit and his love flow through you. Let me conclude here. I want to just show you as a way to help you think about our world and your life. I want to just show you some images of a world that needs love and uh, love flowing down in the animal kingdom. Okay? How pathetic and helpless is that little cub? We conclude today with uh, three uh, application and conclusion points. Uh, The first is I uh, have really been uh, appreciating this work of love that God has been doing in me, and I've been sharing this now for about a month with you, and God continues to really touch me uh, with his desire uh, for me to, as uh, some people put it, to learn some softer skills. And... uh, and it's been really good. It's really been saving me more than anybody else. And so uh, as a way to continue that and as a way to lead this church, but remember uh, my call to love people. I'm going to be uh, taking over temporary leadership over global engagement. Uh, that's our church's connection to the mission work that we do around the world you know, in cross-cultural settings. And so... Um, I want to just ask, if you are interested in uh, uh, joining me and thinking about how to best uh, spend our, leverage our position, our resources uh, to uh, reach the world uh, in God's name, in the name of God's love, uh, you know, please talk to me. Uh, We have a small team already. We would love to add uh, several more to this team. And so anytime this week, uh, email me and let me know that you're interested in connecting to this great missional work that we do. Okay? Uh, as a, um, another way that we want to grow our, the love and uh, reaching out in our church, uh, we want to take small groups to the next level. We have really um, 
worked hard on growing our small groups ministry. And many of you are in small groups and many new people are in small groups. I love that this ministry is growing. But to help us take it to the next level, uh, Tim Krell sitting over to uh, your right uh, has uh, given um, uh, uh, his, said yes to giving his life to this in the next season of growth for this ministry. Uh, and so if you are interested in... Uh, uh, joining a small group, uh, please talk to Tim or myself. We'd love to help connect you to that. If you're interested in starting one or leading one, please talk to us uh, as well. Uh, we are looking for leadership for local engagement. Uh, that's the missions, missionary work that we do uh, in our local community. Uh, and uh, we'd love for uh, new leadership to uh, rise up from among you for that ministry and for enfolding outside sanctuary when new people come to our church. How do they get from driving into, onto our parking lot, if there's a spot, to um, uh, being connected uh, to the greater life of the church and feeling like this is their church home? Uh, we're looking for some leadership in helping people to do that. So that's application number one, some practical ministries that we are doing at this church. And if you want to connect to that, any of those, please uh, speak with me. Okay, the second application point uh, is I want to encourage you this week to look down on people. No matter who they are, no matter uh, you know, what role they play in your life, Open your eyes just a little bit wider and look a little bit longer until you begin to see the child that they are. That they have room in their life for the love of God that's going to be expressed at that moment through you. Nobody is as all together and as strong as we might think or they might think. So just... just just, a little, just linger a little bit until you're able to look down and allow the love of God to flow down through you to them. And ask the question, what do I have? What position or resource or power do I have that I might share with them a word, a thing, some time? What can I do? Attention. What can you give to them that might express the love of God at that moment. Uh, and then third, I want to ask you to be open, as in open disposition. You know, if you try to love people as a program or as a, a sort of um, a to-do, it doesn't work. And I think there's a reason why this passage begins with the idea of the Spirit. Because the Spirit leads us. And so um, as you are looking down on people, I want to ask you to be open to the possibility of changing your plans, maybe slowing down, maybe being disrupted or interrupted, maybe putting aside your tasks or your agenda for that moment, and maybe loving people, loving a person at that moment. So like if you're interacting with a plumber, Instead of just quickly moving through, giving them instructions, just linger a little bit and say, God, I'm open right now how I might love this plumber in my home today. Right now. What can I do? Just be open. The spirit, the same spirit that was on Jesus just might lead you. Just might speak to you. You might even get a vision. 
That is your purpose. That is your call. Sent by God through Christ who saved you. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for our church that somehow this purpose, this mission that you are sending us on to love people uh, would permeate the everyday situations of our lives. Everything from uh, loving our uh, family members, coworkers, and friends, uh, all the way to strangers and reaching people around the world. I pray, that God, that you would teach and show our church how to allow love to flow down and out through us as you love us by allowing your love to flow down and fill us. Let your love in us overflow to the persons and the people and the communities and the, and the worlds all around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.